reaffirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Luke 10, verses 29 through 37. And before we start, I, I just wanted to mention, because um, I was a little confused when I first read it, but you know, Jesus was traveling around with a lot of followers and preaching the gospel, and as people gathered to hear him, uh, there was one scholar who thought he would challenge Jesus a little bit and ask a question. And so what he says after hearing, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, this gentleman says to Jesus, wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and maybe you can join me now, and wanting to justify himself, you want to join me? He asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and water on them. Then he put him on his own camel, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. And when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is God's word to God's people. Thanks be to God.
So I was a little excited when Walt said, you have three Sundays in a row that you get to preach. And I went, ooh, what can I do with this? And I went several different ways, and some of them were like, ooh, I could do The Greatest Showman. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm not ready for that one. And I, I wasn't sure about that. And as I was praying and discerning about it, I realized that we're in this kind of nice little in-between moment with, with the telling of Mr. Rogers' story. Between there being a documentary that came out just about a year ago that recapped and told us about Mr. Rogers' life in Won't You Be My Neighbor, and the fact that coming in November, we have a movie where Tom Hanks is going to play Mr. Rogers. There, there's some nostalgia going on in our environment, reflecting back and thinking about who this man was in our lives, in our world, and how he taught a whole generation what it was like to be a neighbor, what it was like to embrace one another, and to truly see each other as valuable and unique and precious. And for that, I give thanks. How many of those gathered here today knew that Mr. Rogers was an ordained minister? All right, we've got more hands in this service than the last service, but there's still some people going, what? So, Fred Rogers, in his senior year of college, got a job in a television, at a television station and began learning the ropes and figuring out how to do things and, start, and was paying his way through college that way. And when he graduated, he continued with this job and went to seminary during his lunch hour. And after he earned his degree, the Presbyterian Church was wondering how they were going to utilize him best. He had never served in a church setting, and they're like, how are we going to, or how are we going to put him into the world? And they said, we will appoint him as an evangelist in the television world. So they, they had plans, they had hopes, and they said, we're not just gonna let him continue with his career at the TV station, but we want to start filming his, what he's doing there for the denomination. We're going to make sure that we have Reverend Rogers going out to all the Presbyterian churches and that we have a way to instill proper children's education in, in those locations. And they were moving forward with this. He was excited about the possibility. And one day he received a phone call saying, the funding that we thought we had fell through and this program is not going to happen. We're so sorry to tell you that. We know that God is going to do something, but this is not the right time. This is, it's not gonna happen right now. The very next day he got a phone call from a TV station in Canada saying, we want you to do a 15 minute show where you talk to children the way that you do on the other shows that you do. And they said, we want you to be Mr. Rogers. And he's like, but that's not exactly what, I was gonna do, what I've done in the past. And they go, okay, so we want you to finesse it a little bit. We want you in front of the camera. We want you to talk with children. And that's how Mr. Rogers' neighborhood came into being. And while he never spoke about Jesus or God in his shows, he taught Jesus and God in the ways that he viewed and respected each and every person that he encountered as a beloved child who was worthy of being listened to, who had a perspective and insight to share, who were uniquely who they were meant to be and there was no one else like them. He exemplified what it was like to love and respect everyone as a neighbor. But what does it mean to be a neighbor? 
The Bible wrestled with that, just as we heard this morning. And oh my goodness, you guys read that in unison so well. I don't think I've ever heard a congregation read scripture in unison so well in my life. So kudos to y'all for for the work that you did there. I know it was completely impromptu and unplanned, and you did a spectacular job. Our scripture talks about what it's like to be a neighbor. And it's interesting because as Kathy shared with you, it was someone trying to stumble up Jesus. It was someone trying to figure out how, how they could appease themselves in the process. One of the things that we do as pastors is, is that we don't just look at the scripture that is being that, that we're looking at and talking about, but we look at the scriptures around it. And I want to give you a little bit of context for these scriptures. Jesus had just sent or had sent his disciples out into the community. They were serving, they were representing the world. They came back and they're like, oh my gosh, Jesus, look at all this amazing stuff that we did. Let us tell you about it. And Jesus warned them, it's not about your power. It's about what God is doing through you. It's not yours, it's God. And then he went off and prayed, and he didn't pray just a quiet, solitary prayer, but he prayed joyously in front of the gathering. And that's when people began to start questioning him and challenging him on what he was doing. And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. He said, he said to them, you know, there are people in this world who present themselves very well, like they've got all of their stuff together. But when they see someone in need, they're going to walk to the other side of the street and try not to help. And then there's going to, at some point, come along someone that you don't expect, that you would have thought would be the furthest person from the person who's going to offer you help. And they're going to be the ones that step forward to help you out, to show mercy, and to represent God in real and tangible ways. And Jesus asked him, which one was the neighbor? And the person that was challenging him sad to say, I confess it's the one that showed mercy. Our job is to show mercy. But the story doesn't stop there. The story actually continues on. Do you, does anyone know what the next story in the Bible is that comes after that? It's the story of Mary and Martha, which might seem like an interesting juxtaposition, but I think that it's a good one. The story of Mary and Martha is the story of Jesus coming and visiting two sisters. And Martha is running around making sure that everything is taken care of and she's the hostess with the mostess and she's making sure that everything is lined up and appropriate. And her sister is sitting at Jesus' feet. And at some point, Martha comes up to Jesus and says, please, Lord, tell Mary that she needs to help me. And Jesus says, Martha... I hear what you're saying, you're doing good work, but I have to tell you, your sister's doing the most important job right now. Your sister's sitting at my feet, taking the time to learn, to be nurtured, and to grow. I think it's important that the story of Mary and Martha and the Good Samaritan come back to back, because it reminds us that both of those realities are important. There was a biblical scholar, preacher named Fred Craddock, who said that if anyone comes up to you and asks you if you are more the Good Samaritan or Mary, your answer should solely be yes, because you are both. You are both the person who sits at Jesus' feet, and you are also the person who is called to show mercy and to do justice in the world. And I think it's important for us to remember that. Fred Rogers lived that reality. He lived the reality of being 
prayerful and intentional and sitting at Jesus' feet so that as he was planning his shows, he could do so in such a way that it was faithful and it was honoring who God had called him to be. He was a person that was a true disciple. When we talked about discipleship, we talked about qualities that you could do. Fred Rogers lived into a whole bunch of them. He'd wake up every morning at 5.30 and do his prayer and his Bible study. And he would take the time to really be in conversation with God. And then he would go and take care of his body by swimming laps. And as he dove into the pool, he had a mantra that was a reminder that he was supposed to rejoice in the Lord. And he listened to how God was calling to him, what God was speaking to him, and prayed for a truth that was supposed to be his for that day. Uh, one of the books that I read was by a woman named Amy Hollingsworth, and I think it's called The Simple Faith of Mr. Rogers. And she talked about when he came out of the pool, it was like a renewal of his baptism. And he remembered that he was being sent into the world to serve others. His prayer life didn't stop there, though, because he would then step into his studio and would prayerfully say the same prayer every day as he stepped in. He said, Dear God, let some word that is heard be yours. And that's how he entered each day. So as he walked and talked with his producers, with his crew, with the children who were on stage, with anyone who he was working with, he really prayerfully considered how his words might be God's words as he interacted with others. He was hoping that God might speak through him. Now, Mr. Rogers received thousands upon thousands, maybe even millions of letters during his career. He had over 900 episodes, um, and there was usually something that spoke to, to someone during each of the, of the episodes. And each letter would say, when you said, and they would go forth and explain something that had happened on the show. And Fred Rogers would go back to his notes because he kept notes of everything that he was going to say during each of the episodes and kept track of what he was going to do. He would go back to that episode and go, I didn't plan to say that. I'm not sure if I did say that. But that was God's word speaking to that person in a specific situation that they were having at a given moment. And for that, I give thanks. There are times that we go into the world and we don't necessarily have to proclaim from the mountaintops that we're Christians to represent God's light and love to others. We just have to work to be people who reflect God's love that we've received and shine it to those in need. When Fred Rogers was asked what, asked what was the root of everything, he said love is at the root of everything. All learning, all relationships, love or the lack of it. The ways in which we shine our love, the ways in which we choose to share that love with others impacts those that we encounter. And he said to the question, what does won't you be my neighbor mean to him? He said, well, I suppose it's an invitation. It's an invitation for someone to be close to you. Our job as Christians is to find our neighbors, to see everyone that we encounter as our neighbors, so that we might be able to say, God desires us to be close. God desires us to know each other, to support each other, to have mercy on each other when someone has fallen, has been harmed, 
is hurt, is ailing. It is our job. As uh, Amy Hollingsworth uh, had an opportunity to grow in her relationship with Fred Rogers, the way that they met is that she was an interviewer and sent him a letter asking to do an interview. And then a few months later, followed up with a letter that she had written to an editor who, who had kind of besmirched uh, Mr. Rogers' reputation in a few ways. And she said, I think that you got it wrong when you wrote your article, and here's why. And she outlined the reasons why she said that Mr. Rogers was a benefit to our community. And she sent that to Mr. Rogers as well, and he went, okay, I think that it's safe to do an interview with you. I look forward to seeing where our conversation will go. And after that first interview, Mr. Rogers sent her a note saying, thank you for the interview. And she immediately wrote back, and he wrote back. And an eight-year friendship over letter writing transpired. And they got to know each other very well. They met up with each other face to face. They knew each other's personal woes and dramas, as well as their celebrations and pitfalls. And she had an opportunity at one point to ask this question. If you had one final broadcast, one final opportunity to address your television neighbors, and you could tell them the single most important lesson in your life, what would you say? She says he paused for a moment and then said ever so slowly, well, I would want those who were listening somehow to know that they had unique value, that there isn't anyone in the whole world exactly like them, and that there never has been and never will be, and that they are loved by the person who created them in a unique way. If they know that and really know it and have that behind their eyes, they could look with those eyes on their neighbors and realize, my neighbor has unique value too. There's never been anyone in the whole world like my neighbor and never will be. If they can value that person, if they could love that person in ways that we know the eternal loves us, then I would be very grateful. I am very grateful that Mr. Rogers helped us to see with our own eyes and see God's love through our eyes as we look at others. Mr. Rogers did something really profound for children in the lessons that he taught and the ways that he interacted with them. So much of network television then as it is now was go, 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 go. And the half an hour that you would sit in front of the TV with Mr. Rogers, it was a slower process. It was as intentional of a beginning as his, each and every one of his days were. Singing a song, taking off the jacket, putting on the cardigan, putting on the tennis shoes, and saying, we're going to be here present with each other. I'm here for you, and I look forward to this time with you. And he went slow, intentionally slow, so that there were pauses and breaks because he firmly believed that it was when we had those moments of silence that we could hear God more fully and that deeper thinking could happen. He allowed that happen for our, for our children, and for that I am so grateful. He said that children's insights and perspectives were important, and for that I'm so grateful. 
one of the neighbors that we have in our community, are our children. And I'm so excited that we actually have a child playing in our new playground back there. If you guys noticed when you came in this morning, our overflow room looks a little bit different. She's not actually playing right now. She's looking into the cry room. Um, But (laughs) hi, lady. Um, What? Our overflow room looks different because of the fact that we want our youngest children to know, our youngest parts of our community, our youngest neighbors to know that they are welcome and they are valued and that they are important to us. Sometimes parents, when they first have their kids, aren't ready to take them to the nursery. And sometimes kids really just want to come and watch their grandpa sing. So the fact that we have this space allows Lainey to watch her grandpa sing and that's not Lainey. Yeah, that's Lainey. No, that's Macy. Macy, I apologize. I know you're Macy. I do. That's Macy back there. Macy knows that she's loved, and she knows that this community supports her. And that's what we want to do. We want to take and embrace the gifts that Mr. Rogers has taught us and make sure that our next generation knows that they are important to this community as well. For our teachers in the congregation, you take on the same spiritual gifts as Fred Rogers. Most of the schools that you teach in, you can't or won't talk about religion, but you radiate God's light to those that you encounter by the ways in which you extend grace to each child. Let them have a new and fresh start each school year and recognize that you might be the person that lets someone shine who has not had the opportunity to shine until now. And for that, I say thank you. Thank you for the ways in which you serve and you take the spiritual gifts that God has given you to make sure that our generations that come after us know the gift of light and love and grace. Amen. Amen.